play tricks. I'm just going to set him down here, and I'm mic'd elsewhere. So there we go. Uh, I think you can hear me. I think this one's on. Brother Michael, you have a, enough to get yourself in trouble knowledge back there. Could you take a peek on that sound room? Make sure this lapel is on and the pulpit is turned down, because I'm not sure that this one is on as it should be, and I'm just going to get myself in trouble, okay? Now something's off altogether, okay? So just leave it to me to get home and fit and break things, okay? Break things that need fixed. Let's take our Bibles together and turn the book of Zechariah. Zechariah. Brother Michael, you'll see two labels down there. One says uh, lapel and one says pulpit. And uh, you'll just kind of make sure the ones are on and one is off. So uh, he's, he's becoming tech savvy, so we'll see what he can figure out. I'm, I don't know about you, if you've ever read the book of Zechariah, but I am loving going through it again. I've been through the, the book before, but um, I, I, I feel like I missed so much. And so uh, just digging down into it, and uh, we were in this, this passage together a few weeks ago. You remember, as we've kind of progressed together, we've walked uh, through uh, large portions of the book of Ezra, and we've been reminded of the journey that the Jews were on. They went from... Uh, being in captivity of Babylon and God uh, allowing the Babylonians to be slain and destroyed. And, the, and so now the Medes and the Persians had, had taken over and God allowed the king of Persia to, uh, to let the people, the Jews, go back to Jerusalem. And upon their arrival back, they were to return to worship. They were to return back to their place of worship, rebuilding the temple. And you remember as they began to build, all the way up till Ezra chapter 5, they stopped the work. And that's where we, we are introduced to uh, the men Haggai and Zechariah, these two prophets prophesying in the book of Ezra chapter 5. And it's after that they prophesy, men of God being used by God to speak to the people, after that they prophesy that God, um, uh, that, that God turns the heart of the people back to the rebuilding of, of the temple, and then we would later progress in the book of Nehemiah and seeing those walls being built around the city. But as we take a pause into the book of Zechariah and examine exactly what God gives to the prophet to share with the people, we know the entirety of the message is that they are to get back to uh, return back to that proper form of worship to begin again in the rebuilding of that temple. But uh, we, as we examine exactly the wording and the words which God used and the way in which God spoke, to Zechariah, it is more than fascinating, it's convicting, and it's encouraging, and it's challenging. Uh, we, we looked together a few weeks ago in Zechariah chapter 1, and in verse number 13, a wonderful, wonderful verse that introduces us into all that God uh, was going to do for the people. Look at that verse, if you would, Zechariah chapter 1, verse number 13 and 14. The Word of God says, And the Lord answered the angel that talked with me with good words, and comfortable words. Don't you love that verse? I love it. <laughs> good words and comfortable words. And notice what these good and comfortable words are. He progresses in verse 14. So the angel that communed with me said unto me, Cry thou, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I am jealous for Jerusalem and for Zion with a great jealousy. And I am very sore displeased with the heathen that are at ease. For I was but a little displeased, and they helped forward the affliction. Therefore, I love this verse, Thus saith the Lord, I am returned to Jerusalem with mercies. I am returned to Jerusalem with mercies. 
Here we find the children of Israel, or should we call them the Jews, as they are thus called in going forward, the Jews having given in to sin and God allowing them to be drawn into captivity by the Babylonians. And God says, I am returned. I will return to you with mercies. God not, had not given up on them. Aren't you thankful God doesn't give up on us? Amen. Thankful for his mercy. I'm thankful that I serve a merciful God that has provided a way of salvation for me. Aren't you thankful for that today? Amen. And it's eternal salvation. It's that which when I have received it, it's eternal. It's forever. From the moment that I received it by faith into my life, uh, the, the Bible tells us that that is the Lord's mercy that he's shown upon me in the very same way that he, that he showed mercy upon the Jews in that day. Returning with mercies. I'm entitled the message, that very, past, that very phrase, returning with mercies. It's the following chapter in chapter 2, actually the end of chapter 1 and into chapter 2, that we uh, read in even further description of the mercies which God was going to bring to the people. And so, uh, if you remember in the book of Zechariah, God speaks to Zechariah uh, in the form of visions. In nearly every chapter, we are introduced to another vision and an angel that is together with Zechariah helping to interpret and give him understanding to that vision. Some of these visions were prophetic for the Jews in that day. They were things that were yet to take place for them in that day. And other things are prophetic for the Jews in days to come, still yet today. They have not yet happened, but they will take place. And so we see prophecy spoken here, but yet we also see the promises of God, and more specifically, the mercy of God in these verses. And so that's the intent this morning, that we would be encouraged by God's word in his mercies. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you again uh, for the opportunity to worship you. And Lord, I pray that you would give us understanding in your word. Help us to be attentive to what you would have for us. Give me the words to say. Lord, we've had a little trouble with the microphones today. I pray that you'd uh, help them to work appropriately and give me uh, clarity of speech and of thought and of mind. I pray that your Holy Spirit would work uh, thoroughly today in my heart as well as, as each and every listener today. Lord, may you remove the distractions, whether it be of uh, the little ones or of, of, the, of a noise or a dropping or something, maybe the tiredness and the weariness of our bodies. Lord, I pray that we would be attentive to what you'd have for us. Uh, may we lead today encouraged and challenged by the word of God. Lord, we ask and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's look together in Zechariah uh, chapter 1 and verse number 17. The word of God says, Cry yet, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, My cities through prosperity shall yet be spread abroad, and the Lord shall yet comfort Zion, and shall yet choose Jerusalem. I know I've, I've asked you before, but if you mark your Bible, I would encourage you, mark those words, yet. We find them not said once, but four times, actually, in verse 17, telling us of that promise of what God intends to do. And we could say the same today as we live in the yet, the things which God has yet to do in our lives. Amen? That's a wonderful thing. And verse number 18, the word of God says, Then lifted I mine eyes and saw, and behold, four horns. Now this is the beginning of the second vision. Verse 19, And I said unto the angel that talked with me, What be these? And he answered me, These are the horns which have scattered Judah, Israel, and Jerusalem. And the Lord showed me four carpenters. Then said I, What come these to do? And he spake, saying, These are the horns which have scattered Judah, uh, so that no man uh, did lift up his head. But these are come to fray them, to cast out the horns of the Gentiles, which lifted up their horn over the land of Judah, to scatter it. 
Now, if, if you're, if you're uh, uh, of any understanding of Scripture, this is a not hard of a vision to understand. Ultimately, what is God trying to tell them here in the end of chapter 1? It's that the enemies who had overthrown Judah, the Jews, Jerusalem, they were going to be slain themselves. God, God has already previously said that in the adjacent verses where he describes himself as being a jealous God in verse 14, as being very sore displeased with the heathen. Though he allowed the enemy to afflict, yet there was a point where God was going to stop them. And this is what he's speaking of. Verse 16, he says, I am returned to Jerusalem with mercies. And so the mercy of God, and we see God's mercies begins first with destruction. Destruction. Now I'm reminded when reading this passage, though prophetic in, in, in the way in which it's written, yet we're given a reminder of the destruction that God has already foretold and brought to Satan himself. We're on the winning side. Amen? Aren't you thankful to be on the winning side today? That's the mercy of God. God has returned with his mercies. And that's a wonderful thing that though we live in a world of sin, though we live in a world that's continually progressing uh, and waxing worse and worse uh, towards uh, a, a resistance against God himself and the very things of God and the spirituality of, of Christianity and all those things are being pushed against, yet God has returned with mercies. God has already promised us that Satan has not won. Amen? That though all this world uh, would, would only progress, yet God's mercies, His love, His grace only continues. God's not giving up. As we see it, God not giving up on the Jews here in Zechariah chapter 1 and into chapter 2, we uh, are reminded today that God has not given up on us. The Word of God tells us in Zechariah chapter 2, an introduction now to the third uh, vision. Um, you know, there's much debate that's been, that, that is had about what exactly the visions mean. The intent today is to understand from Scripture the principle and the understood principles uh, within Scripture. Sometimes if we're not uh, careful, we can read too much within it. And we seek to interpret it in different ways. But there are things that are quite obvious, and it's with the Lord's help this morning that we will understand those things. As we read about already previously in the second vision, uh, those horns which had risen up uh, was speaking of the enemy that had come against uh, the Jews. And so God was going to raise up, as described, these carpenters, and or he was going to raise up others to slay and destroy them, therefore creating the opportunity for the Jews to go back to Jerusalem. These are, are this is God uh, speaking through Zechariah, chapter 2, the word of God says, I lifted up mine eyes again, and looked, and behold, a man with a measuring line in his hand. Then said I, Whither goest thou? And he said to me, To measure Jerusalem, to see what is the breadth thereof, and what is the length thereof. Behold, the angel that talked with me went forth, and another angel went out to meet him. The Bible tells us first in this vision, as we seek to understand it, of the man who's mentioned. This man with a measuring line. This man is very similar to the first vision in verse number 8, if you'd notice with me, of chapter 1. The Word of God says, I saw by night, and behold, a man riding upon a red horse. That man, of course, is described to us in verse number 11 as the angel of the Lord, God himself. The man with the measuring line, as you would study the passage, you would find the representation of Jesus. Yet also, as we saw the man in the myrtle trees, we see the man with the measuring line. It's Jesus himself standing. And what is he doing? The Bible tells us of the, that which he's measuring. 
Not just the man, but the measure. What is he measuring? He's measuring the height, the breadth, the length, the entirety of Jerusalem. The beginning and the end. He's going to mark it off. This has already been mentioned previously. Verse 16. Notice chapter 1, verse 16. He says, I am returned with mercies to Jerusalem. Uh, my house shall be built in it, saith the Lord of hosts. And a line shall be stretched forth upon Jerusalem. God says, Jesus says, I'm going to mark off. This is that which belongs to Jerusalem. It begins here, and it's going to end here. So we see this man with the measuring line where he's beginning to measure, and yet there's, there's a stopping point within it. The Bible says, verse 3, And behold, the angel that talked with me went forth, and another angel went out to meet him. Uh, back up just a second here. Um, verse 2, Then said I, Whither goest thou? And he said, To measure Jerusalem, to see what is the breadth thereof, and what is the length thereof. Look at verse 4. And said unto him, so here's the message. Here's Zechariah trying to gain a picture. Here's Zechariah standing with an angel. Here's the man with the measuring line. There's another angel there. The two angels come. They speak to one another. The one tells them the interpretation of it. What is the interpretation? He's marking off Jerusalem. The angel that was once with Zechariah runs back to Zechariah. Now, understand, the, 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 the message is that measuring. Okay, the, the, um, the promise within it is that God is going to expand Jerusalem. What is he to run back to Zechariah 4? Verse 4, And he said unto him, Run, speak to this young man, that being Zechariah, saying, Jerusalem shall be inhabited as towns without walls, for the multitude of men and cattle therein. Towns without walls. What in the world is, is, is uh, God trying to tell us here in this passage? We're understanding that though... The measurement was to be of what the exact of Jerusalem, uh, the exact parentheses of Jerusalem was to be, yet God says, no, I'm going to expand. I'm going to increase the population. I'm to, going to increase the number of Jews so that they will go beyond the boundaries, so that there will be those that will even be living uh, as a part of Jerusalem, but not within Jerusalem. Somebody says, well, wait a minute, that sounds terrible. Why would you want to live in a, in a, in a uh, city without walls? Let alone, why would you want others to live in a city with walls and you're living outside of it? But yet understand, this is the, the beginning of the description of God's mercies, which he is showing upon the people. And it begins uh, first with that, uh, that mention of God's protection. Notice verse 5. The word of God says, and I love this, For I, saith the Lord, will be unto her, that being Jerusalem, a wall of fire round about. And it will be the glory in the midst of her. I've circled that phrase. I don't know about you in my Bible. A wall of fire. You know, when, I, when we consider the Christian life, we don't just have a wall around us. Yet we have a wall of fire. And what is that wall of fire? It's a wall of protection. What is that protection? It's not just a defense, but yet it's also an offense. It keeps the enemy uh, 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 from coming within, but it also keeps a a a anything from, uh, from within that's uh, uh, of any negativity from going out. That wall of fire. We're considering the protection of God. The protection of God. Where we see first in the mercies and the promise of God, we see destruction. We're reminded of the very fact that God has already won the battle. Satan has already been foretold he's already lost and yet we're reminded of the protection of God God protects us with a wall of fire 
we see a distinction to Jerusalem, a distinction and, and a, a, a specific protection towards Jerusalem. And there's, uh, there's much debate about the meaning of this passage, but ultimately we know that God uh, gives a, a specific distinction to the people of Jerusalem, the Jews themselves. And I believe it's prophetic in days to come, uh, speaking of what God will do and it intends to do uh, with Jerusalem and for the Jews themselves and, and how he intends for his people to bring his mercy upon them. But ultimately, as we see God's people mentioned here, the Jews, we as believers are also of God's children. And the protection of God is the mercy of God. Amen? It's the mercy of God. The Word of God tells us in verse number 7 of the same chapter, Deliver thyself, O Zion, that dwellest with the daughter of Babylon. And the protection of God begins first with salvation. <laughs> Amen? Salvation. We're saved from an eternal hell. But now that we live and are a Christian, are we, and hopefully we're seeking to live the Christian life, we should be separated from the world and unto God. So now we're allowing ourselves to stay within the city of the, that measuring line, that of our spiritual Jerusalem, under the protection of God. What are you trying to say here this, this morning, Pastor? It's this, that God is our protector. Amen? God is our protector. No matter what it is that we go, can go through in life, yet God is always there. Look at verse number uh, 5. The Bible says uh, that this protection is guaranteed. He says, run. There's an importance. This is a message that must be told. The angel runs back to Zechariah. He says, Jerusalem shall be inhabited. That's a guarantee, okay? Shall be inhabited as towns without walls. There's the promise. God has promised us yet the same, that God has his hand of protection upon us. He says, secondly, uh, in verse number 5, For I, saith the Lord, will be unto her a wall of fire round about. This protection is, as I mentioned already, it's within and it's, it's without. Psalm 5, verse 11, the word of God says, But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice, but let them ever shout for joy, because thou defendest them. God is our defender. Aren't you thankful that, that, that we have that resting peace of knowing that God is taking care of us? Amen? We don't have to sit and worry and fret and fear what's going to happen to me. What's going no, God's in control. Amen? That wall of fire, God's in control. What if God tells us in Proverbs 14, verse 26, in the fear of the Lord is strong confidence, and his children shall have a place of refuge. God is that refuge, that place of safety, the one to whom we can run to in times of sorrow, in times uh, where the enemy seeks to have uh, the, the great hand. And let me tell you, Satan's doing all he can in the world today to dumb out Christianity in our schools, to dumb out uh, the, 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 in our society any emphasis of God, any allegiance to God, any recognition of God. Amen? We see the, the working of Satan today, but yet at the same time, I remind you and, and seek to encourage you today, we see the mercy of God. Amen? The love of God. The fact that God in His mercy would uh, in his loving arms, embrace us. That wall of protection. That God would provide for us that eternal salvation to be together with him. The Bible tells us that his protection is guaranteed. It's within and without, but his protection is a manifestation of his glory. The word of God continues, verse 5, For I, saith the Lord, will be unto her a wall of fire round about, and will be, there's that guarantee again, will be the glory in the midst of her. 
You see, this fire will protect Jerusalem from intruders, but it will provide glory to those who are within the circle. You know, it's unfortunate that, that many Christians, uh, though we live within, though we live within that circle, that wall of fire and protection, yet we don't find the glory within it. You understand what I mean by that? We don't rejoice enough within it. We take it for granted. You know, the very fact that the Holy Spirit lives inside of every believer is yet even more of the way that God gives us that protection. Where does conviction come from? Where do those thoughts in your mind say, well, uh, I know that God would not have for me to do that. That's the Holy Spirit working within you. In the very working of God, in the mercy of God, may it not be taken for granted. Its protection is guaranteed. It's within and without. It's, it's a manifestation of the glory that when we are within the protection of God and we acknowledge that it is He who's in control, He is giving glory and praise the Lord for that. Amen? That we can have the opportunity to give God all the glory and, and, and lift His name up in praise. Isaiah 60 and verse 18 through 19. Why don't you turn there with me and let's look together. We can glory in the eternal salvation that God has given to us and we see as is described yet further about this glory that is to be manifested. Isaiah 60, verse 18 through 19. We'll find our way back into Zechariah here in just a moment. The Word of God tells us in verse 18, Violence shall no more be heard in thy land, wasting no, nor destruction within thy borders. But thou shalt call thy walls salvation, and thy gates praise. The sun shall no more be thy light by day, neither for brightness shall the moon give light unto thee, but the Lord shall be unto thee an everlasting light, and thy God, thy glory. I don't know about you, but when I read this passage, and I read in the book of Zechariah, I'm humbled, and uh, truthfully, I, I, I am ashamed before God that I've been living within the wall of His protection, that wall of fire protection around me, yet I don't glory in God enough. There's so much to glory in. Amen? There's so much to glory in. There's so much to praise God for. The Bible tells us it's an everlasting salvation. Boy, if you ever get tired of talking about the salvation of God, then you need to be asking yourself, have you ever truly received the salvation of God? Because it should never get tiring. It should be that which is always encouraging you and and. and, and, and Reminding you of the mercy of God. God's not done yet. And could I say to you, God's not done with this world yet. God gives us opportunity yet today to share of His love, to share of who He is, that others can know about Christ through us. You remember the Jews, as we had studied already together, they leaving from Babylon, uh, now, uh, well, what was Babylon, Persia, now uh, in leadership, but not all of them went. Remember, God says that only what? A remnant went. A very small portion. Those that left had likely made a livelihood. Some probably had great wealth. That which they weren't ready to leave. So we think of today, there is a remnant. Every believer that knows Christ. Yes, we're within that wall of protection. But so it is that there are those who are not within the fold. Amen? Those that have not come to know about Christ. Those that have not understood the love and the mercy of God. The Bible tells us, as God has told us, I am returned to Jerusalem with mercies. 
And boy, we see a promise, and this is what we're, we find ourselves coming to. The promise is this, that as God has returned with mercies and everlasting salvation for us today, yet we'll see, and we see in this passage, the promise of God's further return of mercies, that continual mercy which He'll bring, that day in which all those who know Christ will go together and be with Him in heaven. Thank God for that day, amen? What a day that will be when we look face to face with Christ. When all that will be, will be glory together with Christ. We'll be lifting up His name up in praise. The shame for us is that we are within that wall of protection and we're not giving Him the glory. There is so much to glory for because He's returned with mercy. The Bible tells us His protection is guaranteed. It's within and without. It's a manifestation of His glory. And this protection is unique. Notice verse number 8. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, After the glory hath he set me unto the nations which spoiled you. For he that toucheth you toucheth the apple of his eye. God's giving a very unique and distinct uh, and specific attention to the Jews themselves. And, we, and I believe there's much prophetic things to be seen there, but here's what we understand, that God calls His people the apple of His eye. Think about that for a second. God calls His people the apple of His eye. You ever thought to think about how unique the human eye is? Just read you a few facts of the human eye. The eye is known as one of the second most complex organs in the body after the brain. It's composed of more than 2 million operational parts which can process 36,000 bits of information every hour. The eye muscles are the strongest in the body. We blink approximately 25,000 times a day. There is no part of the body more safely guarded. The frontal bones of the face keep, uh, help to keep the eye safe from uh, being easily punctured. The eyebrow or eyelash help to catch dust particles. The eyelid helps to protect uh, uh, from becoming too dry or from glares. The tear glands within the human body help to continually replenish the eye with tears. And so when we contain the illustration, or should we say the prophecy and the picture given to us, God says, these are my people. They're the apple of my eye. Aren't you thankful to be the part of the apple of the eye of God? Amen. Or the Jews are given that special distinction. But I say to you, every one of us is believers. In Christ, as Christians, God has a wall of protection around us. And what does he say? What's that promise that's given here? We just read it. The word of God tells us in verse number 8, For thus saith the Lord of hosts, after the glory hath he sent me unto the nations which spoil you. The nations which would seek to go up against you, Jerusalem, anyone that would seek to touch you, that would seek to harm you, that would seek to go against you and destroy you. God says, For he that touches you, toucheth the apple of his eye. The Lord's protection for our lives against the enemy is as complex and as amazing as the eye itself. You say, well, it's, it's more than I can even quite understand. Well, that's the truth of the matter. That God's watching over you. God cares for you. God's not going to let Satan harm you. But let me ask you, what's keeping you from bringing glory to God? Psalm 17, verse 8 psalmist says, keep me as the apple of the eye, hide me under the shadow of thy wings. Is that the prayer of our heart? That we would remain as the apple of the eye of God, 
It's not that God's going to forget us. The problem is, is that we would forget God. That we would fail to give Him the proper recognition that He deserves. God has returned with mercies. We see not only destruction, we see not only protection, but lastly, there's preparation. Preparation. The Word of God tells us yet again in verse 5, For I, the Lord, will be unto her a wall of fire round about, and will be the glory in the midst of her. Ho, ho, come forth and flee from the land of the north, saith the Lord. For I have spread you abroad as the four winds of the heaven, saith the Lord. Deliver thyself, O Zion, that dwellest with the daughters of Babylon. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, After the glory hath he sent me unto the nations, which spoiled you. For he that touches you toucheth the apple of his eye. For behold, I will shake mine hand upon them, and, thy, and, and their, uh, upon them, and they shall be a spoil to their servants. And ye shall know that the Lord of hosts hath sent me. Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion. There's so much to sing and rejoice about. Amen. He says, sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion. Lo, I come, and I will dwell in the midst of thee, saith the Lord. And many nations shall be joined to the Lord in that day, and shall be my people. And I will dwell in the midst of thee. And thou shalt know that the Lord of hosts has sent me unto thee. And the Lord shall inherit Judah his portion in the Holy Land, and shall choose Jerusalem again. In John 14, verse 1 through 3, the Word of God says, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you I what? Go to prepare a place for who? For you, for you and me. The Bible tells us prophetically and, and as... God is speaking that His returning of His mercies will be upon that day when Jerusalem itself will be given that special distinction above any other nation. But all of God's people will be joined together, will go together to be with Christ. And we're reminded in this passage of the mercy of God, the preparation. God even today is preparing uh, everything to work for the glory of Him. Amen? Everything of that, that is happening today which would seem to be uh, of, uh, of nothing but uh, worse and worse sin. But yet God is still working. God is still merciful. And all the while God is preparing a place for you and me. A place in which we'll go to be together with Him in heaven for all eternity. A place where we will, be, uh, we will sing praises to Him. The word, the word of God tells us, John, let not your heart be troubled. There's so many things we trouble our heart about, yet all the while there's so much to glory in. We're the apple of God's eye. Amen. God sees us as a peculiar people, he tells us in his word. The Bible tells us that God has chosen us to be together with him, and what a wonderful thing that that is. Maybe you're here today and uh, you're discouraged. And you come through Thanksgiving, and you know, there, there's things that we discourage about. I just heard about somebody I knew growing up back home. Uh, and there, there, you know, there wasn't very many kids growing up together in the church. One of the girls that I knew that was there, a few younger, years younger than me, and has uh, been married just for two years, and her husband just died just, just two days ago, Thanksgiving it was. And uh, uh, boy, that, that caused a heart not to be thankful, you know. 
There's so many things that in this world that can set our eyes on everything else, but could I remind you today, God gives us that wonderful promise, the wall of fire that he is to us, that wall of protection. God is our defender, our refuge, amen? God is our protection. The Bible tells us that God has assured us and promised us we are on the winning side. We don't have to worry about the battle. Could I remind you today that the preparation, the preparation of God is him preparing the things upon this earth and yet preparing up in heaven for us today. The question should be brought back to us is, are we preparing? Are we preparing for that day? That God would look at us with such speciality. That God would call us a peculiar people. That God would so show his mercy upon us. Undeserved mercy. And that we would fail to give him any glory for it. Christian, how do we show God that glory? We glorify God through singing, through praise, through prayer, through service. Are you glorying in the Lord? Maybe this Thanksgiving has been uh, one that's been different from other years. It's been hard to be thankful. Maybe, maybe you, you've maybe found yourself hard to think of things to be thankful for. You had to really dig down deep or choose the same thing everyone else chose, right? But God says, I'm preparing a place for you. Oh, how much there is to glory. Amen. I don't know the exact events. I can't tell you the exact, you know, this means this and all that. We don't, there's a lot of things that are truthfully unknown. But what we do know is that Christ is returning for his own. What we do know is that Christ is preparing a home in heaven for us to be together with him. What we do know is that we're on the winning side. What we do know is that, uh, that, uh, that in the midst of everything going on around us, that God is that wall of fire protection around us. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your wonderful mercy. That mercy which is so freely given and undeserved. Lord, I pray this morning as we would consider the complexity of the eye, and yet you describe your protection, the complexity of your protection that goes so far to the extent that we have nothing to fear, nothing to worry about, no concern to have because we in your eyes as your people are a peculiar people. And so Lord, I pray this morning that you would encourage the Christian. Lord, I pray this morning that if there would be someone here today who does not know that heaven would be their eternal home. Maybe they do not know that uh, there has ever been a time in their life where they have received you. And there's those promises that we've talked about this morning uh, don't feel as promises, but, but, but rather questions. Lord, I pray that today would be the, the day of salvation for them, that they would be drawn to you. Lord, I pray for each of us here today as believers. May we give you glory. May we be reminded this morning of the destruction that is to come. May we be reminded this morning of the, of the protection which you have given and yet the preparation which you are doing. Where we don't, in our minds, we would seek to want to know every detail, but we know everything that you've told us and we conclude in our hearts according to your word that you've told us all that we need to know. So Lord, I pray that we rest and stand upon the promises that you've given to us in your word. May we go forward for you, giving you all the glory.
We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord for His mercy. Amen. I don't feel led this morning to give an invitation, but uh, I'm so glad that you've chosen to be here today in the midst of this Thanksgiving weekend. And uh, as you spend time further with family, enjoy your time together. And I uh, hope you'll try to make it out again tonight. Uh, we're planning on a regular evening service. Take note, remember next week, we have no regular evening service. Still have the morning service together. We're stepping into the Christmas season. So keep that, that bulletin in front of you of the, of the different events coming up. And we look forward to what God's going to do. God bless you all. Have a great day. Thank you.